0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. Awesome. Well, welcome again to Adventure Church. If you are new today, I want to just extend a special welcome to you. My name is Kyle, the lead pastor here. We're excited you're here today. We are in a series entitled, Bless This Home. Last week we talked about, blessed are those who hunger and uh, and thirst for righteousness. And this is, all these are taken from the Beatitudes, which is a sermon Jesus preached. So if Jesus is preaching, we should listen, right? We should listen to what he says. And so we all, last week we agreed, and if if you weren't here, just agree with us again. How many of us want the blessing of God in our homes, right? All of us, if you if you don't raise your hand, you I guess you want curses in your home. That's fine. It's, it's totally up to you, but, but most people that are right in their minds say, man, I want God's blessing in my house. I want there to be peace in my home. I want there to be love in my home. I want there to be joy. I don't want to be stressed. I want to be blessed. We want that. But there's things that we need to do, and so Jesus is teaching on the blessings of God. He says, blessed are those who do certain things, and so today we're going to talk about that when we can get pure in our hearts, when we can have purity as a part of our life, why God blesses that, and how he blesses it. How many of you have ever been robbed before, or someone stole something from you, right? Maybe like, hopefully like not at gunpoint or anything that bad, but like someone stole something from you, you remember that feeling of, you know, oh man, like I was just taken advantage of, I was, some, someone got something from me, and you kind of feel that, that vulnerability. And for me, it happened a couple times early on in life. The first was when I was playing uh, football as a middle school, somebody stole my lunch money out of my locker, I don't know about you, but when you're in middle school, lunch is like the best thing in the world, right? At my school, it was like we would like stand at the door and wait for the bell to ring because you wanted to run to lunch because you're just dying, you're famished, you know? It's been three whole hours since you've gotten to eat anything, and and you're just ready to eat. And so lunch was a big deal. And when you didn't have lunch, and you didn't pack lunch, and you didn't have money, you were in a bad spot. And so my money was not only taken for that day, it was my whole week's lunch money. My dad was teaching me how to budget my money as a middle school kid. How many of you know that doesn't work really well, right? Day one on Monday, dude, I'm getting three pieces of pizza, some ho-hos, a grape, Welch's grape soda. Can I get an amen? man. <laughs> They didn't give you caffeine, but they had Welch's grape soda. It was amazing, right? You had those things. So I felt bad, like someone took advantage of me. Then a short time later, I got a Dino VFR bike for Christmas. Anyone in here know what that is? a dyno VFR, right? It was, it was the elite. It was all chrome, double brakes, had the pegs on the back. I mean, as a middle school kid, I was rolling. It was a Cadillac, you know what I mean? All my friends were like, dude, I can't believe you got the VFR, and you got all chrome, the double brakes, and the pegs on the back. I'm like, that's exactly what I got, dude. It's amazing. And so the very, as soon as the weather broke, it was actually spring, and I had baseball practice. And I was at my friend's house, and I had to get back to my house because his dad was going to pick us up at our house. So I Get back to my house and and the dad was in a big hurry so I just took my bike and I put it up next to the bush because the garage was locked and I didn't have time to get in and when we came back home that night bike was gone my dyno vfr all chrome double brakes with pegs in the back was gone. I mean, it was like the Red Rider BB gun, okay? You know what I'm saying? It, it was that awesome. And so I had to go out. Literally that night, I was back behind my school, the elementary school, because the cops were like, yeah, sometimes kids just take them on joyrides and dump them behind the school. I'm like, we got to go right now. We got to find my bike. And I had flashlights, and I'm looking for my bike. But I felt vulnerable that someone took something from me, and it made me a little bit angry. It made me upset that someone had stolen something that was rightfully mine and in our world today culture has stolen purity from the family it's stolen it the enemy has stolen purity from our family when we think about things being stolen from us and if someone were ever to come into my house and try to take something that i have a right to defend like i'm not i'm not super strong or whatever i'd probably throw jess out first you know and let her take on somebody coming into our house i'm just being honest with you okay i get a little scared and so I, if, if I hear a noise, I'm like, babe, you probably want to go down and check that out. I don't know what that is. Uh, but, but if someone were to come into my house, I would like to think if I was going to be harmed or my family was going to be harmed, that I would step up and do something. And culture will applaud you for protecting your family physically. But when it comes to protecting our hearts from the things of this world and protecting our hearts from being robbed of purity, protecting your family, protecting your children from culture, robbing them of of the purity of God, the things that God wants us to long for. All of a sudden, we become overprotective. You should just let your kid do that. That's not that big of a deal. You should let them watch that. Who cares? It's not a big deal. Culture, well, there, man, you're a little overprotective. You need to loosen up a little bit. But when it comes to the things of God, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, Matthew 5, 8, for they will see God, for they will experience God. And it comes to our family, blessed are families who are pure in heart because they will see and experience God. All of you, most of you, besides the ones who want curses in your family, just a few minutes ago said, I want the blessing of God in my house. Well, Jesus said, blessed Those who are pure in heart will be blessed and they will see God. Or another translation, experience God in your family. Experience God in your life. Experience God in your homes. That God honors those who are pure in heart. And the enemy of our souls, of our hearts, is trying to rob you of that. He's trying to steal that from you with culture, with whatever it is, of saying it's not that big of a deal. And today I feel like God is reminding me and reminding you that it's a big deal, that we should be protective when it comes to purity. The Greek word here for heart is cardia, or where we get the word cardiac. And Jesus used this as a metaphor to describe our souls, our emotions, our inner self, where he says, blessed are those who are pure in their spirit, who are pure in their soul and their emotions. And, and today, I really want to narrow that a little bit, because that's kind of broad, more into I mean, the purity of our hearts and our homes and in our family. You know, a lot of times when you're growing up and, and you hear this phrase a lot, how many of you have ever heard this phrase? Oh, bless their heart. Have you ever heard that before? Right? which pretty means, you are such an idiot. I am going to pray for you because you're just that dumb. Bless your heart. That's really what that means. So if someone ever says that to you, smack him in the face. Smack them. Say, don't bless my heart like that. And we say those kind of things. Or we say things like, you know, you're dating someone and you know, you know their history and they've cheated on people in the past. And your girlfriends are telling you, hey, stay away from that dude. He's trouble. And you'd be like but I really feel like he has a good heart, you know? Like, his heart is in the right place, you know? And you're like, no, it's not. He cheats on people. He's a, you don't want to do that, you know? Or, or just just follow your heart. What is your heart telling you to do? Let me tell you that. That's the worst advice you could ever be given. You want to know why? Because without Christ, without Christ, there's no such thing as a pure heart. No such thing. The Bible says that we are born wicked, that our hearts are impure, that they need something to happen to make its motives pure. And so anytime you meet someone that says, oh, bless their heart, they got a good heart, they do that? Man, no, they need to know God, they need to be transformed by God. Jeremiah 17, 9-10 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond a cure. Old Testament prophets saying, it's deceitful, there's no cure, who can understand it? I, the Lord, though, search the heart and examined the mind. God searches our hearts. God knows our hearts. God knows where we're at, and he knows that we are in need of a transformation when it comes to our heart, because without him, without his power and his spirit working in your life, there's no such thing as a pure heart. There's no such thing as pure motives. Ephesians 4, 18 through 19, Paul's talking to the church here in Ephesus, and he says, they are darkened in their understanding. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God. How many people in our world do you think fit into that category right there? They're darkened in their understanding. The light hasn't turned on yet. They're separated from God. That's why we planted this church, to turn on lights for people, to illuminate the love of God in their life, their need for God to move in their heart, that God wants to make them pure, but they need his help. And it says they're separated from the life of God because of ignorance. They don't know. They don't know the truth. They don't know what Jesus has come for. That is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. So he's describing the world that they were living in. And I think that gives a good picture of the world we live in today. That that the world, the culture, man, they don't get it. Their hearts have been hardened. They've lost all sensitivity to the pure things of God. And so they've turned themselves over to impurity, to impure things. All through this week on my my Facebook feed, Kim Kardashian, you know, popping up because of the cover of the magazine she's doing. And and it's fine. People don't even think twice about it. Every news thing's putting it on in front of the thing. This is it. Look at this. Kim. Dark. They've lost all sensitivity. The things that are impure have become normal, culturally acceptable, and God does not bless that. He does not bless that, and he doesn't bless it in your life, he doesn't bless it in our homes. And so people have been darkened in their understanding. How many of you have ever walked from outside into a dark movie theater, right? And you're like, you do one of these things, you're trying to like figure out where the seats are, you know what I'm saying? And and it's just like, and it's like the same way when you walk back out, you're like, oh my gosh, it happens to me at night. When my son is crying and I'm in his room and it's literally so dark that I'm trying to find his pacifier in his bed in the dark, right? And I take my cell phone half the time and I'm half asleep and I'm just trying to see. But after a few minutes, like, my eyes begin to adjust. My eyes get used to the dark and I can begin to see. And that's kind of what I feel has happened in our world. And it could it be that our hearts have been hardened to the things of God? because of the world we live in. That our problem is that our eyes have grown accustomed to the darkness around us. We're just used to it. We've lost our sensitivity to the things of God because of the world we live in and the the impurity that's constantly around us. And we've allowed culture to corrupt the very core of who we are, the part that God cares about, your heart, your soul, your emotions, your feelings. Because we would never intentionally do things to really corrupt our souls. At least I don't think we would. Like if you have a child, especially when we're talking about bringing the blessing of God in our homes, you would never intentionally give your baby a bottle of poison, right? Never intentionally. You'd never fill your swimming pool up with acid and say, hey kids, go jump in. We'd never do that. But we'll let your 15-year-old daughter go on a car date alone with a guy that you've never met before. You give your 14-year-old son a smartphone with access to everything in the world on the internet. Right? We'd never intentionally do it, but because our sensitivity, because our hearts have been hardened, we just lose track of what's important and what should be right. And, And Instead of protecting the purity of our families, we've allowed culture to corrupt We've allowed the world to come in. We've lost sensitivity. We lose the values that Christ wants for our family. We pay money to see movies that I feel like would break the heart of God. Not only do you see them, you take your kids to see them. And we do things without even thinking. Not intentionally. Not because we're out to wreck our families. No one would want to do that. Not because we're out to to wreck our souls. But the enemy has blinded us. Culture has deceived us into believing. That's no big deal. Today, I feel like God is saying it is a big deal. And the goal of this whole series, again, is not to just say we are a Christian family because 80% of Americans would say we are a Christian family, I am a Christian, but not to just be a Christian family, but to be a Christ-centered home, to have Christ and his values and his word at the core of our homes. But if we want that, if we want the blessings of God, we have to live our lives according to his word. Psalm 119, 9 through 10 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? How do you stay pure in such an impure world? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. If you missed last week, it was kind of a long message and I apologize for that. I'm trying to get a little bit better about the length, but I felt like it was a really solid teaching that if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back this week and watch it online, because this is a foundational series that each week kind of builds on the other, and last week we talked about how we have to pursue God, that God wants us to seek him, that we have to hunger for right things. We have to Get an appetite for it in our hearts and for our families and to pursue that. And it's saying, how can you in a in a impure world stay pure? Man, you gotta pursue purity. You have to seek the heart of God, living according to his word. Some of you here today, I know what you're thinking, because I used to think like you when I was single. You're like, hey, I'm single. This is so great. He's talking about families and marriages. I'm off the hook, baby. I can do whatever I want. It's not a big deal right now. I can go whatever, do whatever I want. I don't have a family. I don't have kids. I don't even have a home. I live in an apartment. You know what I mean? Like, like I can just do whatever I want. But today, I would say, no, you, you cannot do whatever you want. And that today, you're laying a foundation for your future. I've talked to too many people who say, marriage will fix me. When I get married, I won't lust anymore like I do now. When I find the right guy, I won't be so insecure in who I am. False. Marriage does nothing but magnify your problems. All the married people said, amen. It does nothing but magnify them. And so we think, well, I'll just delay doing the right things. I can delay these things. I can delay purity until I have responsibility in my life. It's so false. You cannot build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. It'll never happen. It won't happen. So you need to get things right now to prepare for what God has for you later. That was just a side note for all you single people. You can thank me later. (laughs) So how do we create a culture of purity in our families? It's not going to happen by accident, just like we talked about last week. It takes intentionality. It takes an effort to say, God, you're going to be the center. Again, to keep him at the center of your world, of your life, of your family, when everything else is fighting for its spot, it's not easy. It's going to be difficult. You're going to have to fight things off. You're going to have to defend your house from being robbed of the purity and the blessings of God. So to see that happen, to create a culture of purity in our, in our families, the first thing you need to do is get your own heart right. Get your own heart right. And I'm going to camp out here because to me this is the most important thing point of the whole message today because this is where it all starts because this is the foundation because if your heart isn't right no one else's is either the family isn't going to be even if your husband or your wife's heart's right and your kid's heart's right if yours is not right it's not going to work and what we have to realize is this is that Jesus is concerned about your heart he's very concerned about it and it's not enough just to clean up the outside, to fix it all up, to, to paint the house, to, to, to get the appearance that we want. Hey, I'm going to church. Check. Looks good. Even raising my hand now a little bit. Kyle, did you see that? Getting there, right? This is outward. These are all outward signs. And I'm not saying a lot of times this is an outward sign of something that's going on, on the inside but we can't just begin to to check a list off of saying, hey, I'm doing the right things, I'm getting involved, I'm doing all those things. Those are all good things, but Jesus isn't concerned about the outward. He's concerned about the inward. He's concerned about your heart. Matthew 23, 27 through 28, he said, what sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious laws and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. A lot of times, people get it all backwards. They think coming to Christ is about religion. It's about rules and regulations and following those rules and getting in alignment with those things. And and we forget that Jesus is not about our behavior modification he's about soul transformation he's about cleaning up not just the outside and the appearance he wants to get to the core of who you are and we don't like him to go there because it messes us up because at the core of every one of us man it's usually rotten i know mine is i know my motives are often impure and without christ empowering me and moving in me i've got nothing I need him, I need him desperately in my life. So the aim of Jesus is not just to reform the manners of society, but it's to change the hearts of sinners like you and like me. That's his aim, that's his goal. He wants to change your heart because from the heart is where everything else comes from. It's the foundation of your walk with him. Jesus wouldn't be satisfied if there were no longer just acts of adultery. Like, hey, there's no more adultery in our world. No one's doing that anymore because this is what he said in Matthew. He said, you've heard the commandment, chapter 5, 27 through 28. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust already committed adultery in his or her heart. So he, he goes, look, not just committing adultery, if you lust after her in your heart, guilty. Guilty. Same thing with uh, murder. He said, it's not, don't just not kill people. If you hate someone in your heart, if you have an enemy, and you're, then, then you're guilty. So Jesus wasn't just concerned about our actions and, and our behaviors and changing those things. He wants to get to the core of who we are. He focused on the heart. And the heart is what you are in the secret of your thoughts, of your feelings, and what nobody else knows about, but God. And he knows that's your heart. That's the soul. And what, is, and what you are at the invisible root matters as much to God as what you are at the visible branch. What is your core like? What is your heart? First Samuel 16, 17, he says, man looks on the outward. You can fool your spouse, you can fool your friends, you can fool your kids, you can fool me, but God says, I look past all the outward stuff. He says he looks to the heart. He's concerned about your heart. He wants us to get our hearts right. Matthew fifteen eighteen. he said, But the words you speak come from your heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. It pretty much encompasses it all, doesn't it? He says, that's the root. That's the core. That's what I'm concerned about. Not behavior modification, but soul transformation. So the heart is crucial to Jesus. What we are in the deep, private areas of our lives is what he cares about most. He didn't come to this world simply to help us get rid of some bad habits that need to be broken. He came into this world because we have dirty hearts that need to be purified by him and his spirit. And it's the only thing that can purify our souls. So how can we have pure hearts? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You've got to guard your heart. Why? He says because it affects everything else you do, your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your work. Everything starts right here, the core. This is it, the soul. Again, the heart is your soul, your inner being and spirit. It says you've got to guard it with everything that you got. What does that mean? It means you watch what you allow into it. When impurity is coming your way, when it's coming to your family and culture is trying to corrupt you and the enemy is trying to throw things and and darken your eyes and to lose sensitivity to the things of God, you got to guard it. You have to protect it and say, I'm not going to allow that in my house. We are not going to go to those places. We aren't going to watch those things. We aren't going to listen to those things. You aren't going to behave that way. To guard it, to protect it, to realize the importance of it. If someone was coming into your home to attack it, you and your family You would protect it, and we would applaud you for it. But again, culture will say, well, you're just being overprotective. Aren't you a little oversensitive? No, because the enemy is at war against your soul, and if you don't fight for it, he will win. It's not just about sin all the time and all these things. We have to guard, be proactive, and not just reactive to set up things in our life that guard our, ho- our hearts and soul. And you go, oh, well, that doesn't really bother me. You just need to take a chill pill there, pastor. You know, you were on a retreat this week. I was. I'm a little fired up. If You can't tell. <laughs> staff scared about staff meeting. Anytime a pastor comes off a retreat, they're like, oh, what are we changing? But it's so important. God's been convicting me this week. Again, I don't preach anything that God isn't messing me up with. It's saying, you got to protect it. You got to fight You know, it doesn't bother me. Maybe it should bother you. Maybe it should bother me. So we have to guard our heart. The next thing we need to do is surrender our hearts completely to Jesus, not holding anything back. Some of you have surrendered parts of your soul, parts of your heart, parts of your lives to God, and he's saying, look, I want it all. I want it all, because if you allow that, that part, again, we're, we're corrupt to the core as, as sinners. We're born that way. We can't avoid it, and you give them parts of your heart and parts of your life, and he goes, like, I need it all. If I'm gonna clean it up, I gotta clean it up, because any small amount of impurity is gonna corrupt the whole thing. So we need to surrender everything, make an intentional choice to give it all to Jesus, to illuminate it, say, this is dark, God, and I don't wanna go here And I don't want to remember this. I don't want to even, but you got to go there. You got to talk about it. You got to confess it to the Lord. Maybe you even need to bring accountability into that. We need to do that. We need to get our hearts where they need to be. We have to get our own hearts right. As parents, as husbands, as wives, as individuals. We got to get our hearts right because it starts with us. It's the foundation. And if our kids are ever going to get where we want them to be in God, we got to get our own hearts right. And then what we do is, is continue to build that culture of purity. Again, we got to get our right first. It's the first step. But once we do that, then we need to create that culture in our homes. And as parents, I think what we have to make sure we're doing is that we're parenting to the heart and not just actions. That's the second thing today, to have culture of purity in our homes. We have to parent to the heart and not just actions. First Samuel 16, 7, again, it says, The Lord look, doesn't look at the same things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks At the heart, I know for myself, I feel like one of the biggest mistakes that I do is parenting and focusing on the outward actions of my kids only. How they're behaving in my home and in public is what I usually parent to. Knock it off, stop it. What are you doing? Don't look at me all holy, you all the same things that your kids. Like, oh man, poor kids. No, you do the same thing. But we parent to that. We focus on outward submission instead of dealing with their heart and dealing with the inward rebellion that all kids have. And God wants us to parent to the heart. He wants us to work on their souls as well and to lead them to a place where they can find Christ, where they can submit their life because God needs to clean them up just like he cleans me and you up. And we need to parent to the heart and not just their actions. We gotta love them towards a right heart. And man, this thing right here, this question right here convicts me. And this is the question you need to ask. Am I parenting to the heart? Do you discipline your kids out of anger or out of love? I'll be honest with you. A lot of the time for me, it's anger. They drop something. They disobey. They do something. And I snap and I yell and I go, what are you doing? Stop that. Get over here. Why are you doing those things? And I'm just just hitting the actions. And I'm disciplining out of anger. And I've caught myself where I've spanked my daughter and I've, I'm I'm not, that's not all of love. It's because I'm frustrated with her. And that's not right. That's not what God wants for me. It's not what he wants for, for you. He doesn't want that for your kids. And instead of making sure that I'm parenting to her heart and explaining to her, not just that I'm angry, she'll figure that out pretty quick, right? They know when you're mad. But if stopping and pausing, I ask Riley, and look, I get this wrong more often than I do not. But I say, baby, look at me in the face. Do you know why dad's mad? Do you know why I'm, you're in trouble? Do you know why I'm doing this? looks at me like this, uh-huh, because I did not listen. Yes, and I explain deeper. This is why, babe. This is why you can't do that. You, God wants us to be kind. He wants us to share. He wants us to do. And I need to explain to her those values that I want to get into her life and implant those things in there and discipline out of love. And then every time, if I'm doing it right, I tell her why. She still gets disciplined. But then I look at her and I go, and I do this because I love you. That's the whole thing. It hurts me worse than it hurts you kind of deal, right? And we all laughed when our parents said it. But this is, this, is, this is where that is true. When you're not disciplining out of anger, because when you're disciplining out of anger, it hurts them more than it hurts you. It does, let's just be honest. But when you're doing it out of love and to discipline and to really teach them the things of God so that their hearts can be pure before him, so that they can find him, so they can encounter the God who can transform their heart, it really does hurt. It really does bother you when you have to discipline because you love them and you want what's best for them. And we need to make sure we're communicating that to them. Again, because if we go back to last week, we have to model for them and lead them by our example. They will model. They will mimic what you model. Kids will follow you. They'll do exactly what you do. They'll say exactly what you say. So we have to model for them how God deals with them. So that when they're older, because oftentimes we discipline out of anger, we're we're so focused on outward behavior that we never deal with the heart. And I've seen it so many times in youth ministry. Once those kids get out from under the the rule of your thumb and the authority and the the submission that they've been, just yes, sir, yes, ma'am, you never get to the heart. As soon as they get out from under your house, what do they do? Rebel like crazy. They'll run to this world faster than anything else. Why? Because their heart has never been pushed to the things of God. They've been obeying you out of obligation, not because they love God and they want to serve him. So we have to lead our kids to where they connect with God and God gets a hold of their heart so that when they do get out, when they do get out in the world and they're on their own and they get a license and they, they get a car and they, they go to college, that they're not serving God anymore because you've made them their whole life, they're serving God because they love him. And he's transformed their heart and life. And we have to parent to the heart, not just the action. The last thing we need to do in our families to make sure that we have a culture of purity is we have to pursue perfect purity. Look at your neighbor and say, perfect. Look at your neighbor. Say, perfect. Perfect purity. That wasn't a typo. I put it in there on purpose. That we need to pursue perfect purity. Purity, this is more on the how. How do we create that culture? We gotta get our own hearts right. We gotta parent to the heart, not just actions, to create that environment in our homes where kids can talk to us and share with us and point them towards the things of God. But then we need to pursue perfect purity of the heart, to pursue it, to have purity. You have to pursue purity. You have to go after purity. You can't achieve perfection, okay? You're not gonna always be perfect. You're gonna mess up. But what you have to do is pursue it. And here's why. Because with the help of God, we can pursue perfect purity for our homes. With his help. Without his help, you can't. And anything less than perfect purity is actually impurity. Let me explain that a little bit more. Ephesians 5.3, it says, But among you there must not even be a hint. Everybody say hint. 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 A hint of sexual immorality. Or any kind of impurity. Or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. A hint, not even a little bit. Why? Because he knows that just a little bit corrupts the whole thing. And again, because our eyes have been darkened, we've grown accustomed, we've lost sensitivity to the things of God, we go, hey, well, it's just a little bit. just a little bit of nudity in that movie. It's just a little bit of alcohol. It's just a little bit of this. And we go, it's just a little bit. And he goes, no, 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 no you got to pursue perfection. You ain't going to reach it, and that's where grace comes in. That's where mercy comes in. That's where God walks with us and enables us to pursue it. But we can't allow any impurity into our world because it corrupts the whole thing just a little bit. Let me explain. There's a story of a little boy, a teenage boy, and he wanted to go see this movie with his friends. His mom looked up the movie, looked up how many cuss words were in it, what kind of stuff was in it. How many of you know you can do that, right? Before you go to a movie, so you don't have to get up and walk out, you can see what's in it before, you can read about what's in it before you even go. So she did that. She goes, you're not going to that movie with your friends. He goes, come on, mom. It's just a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. She said, it's not going to happen. So he got all mad. He goes up to his room, slams his door, comes back down. His mom had made brownies. She goes, look, I'm really sorry you can't go, but I made you brownies. She's Digging it up, getting ready to take a bite. She goes, wait, 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 before you take that bite. I just want you to know, it's not a lot. I put a little bit of dog poop in that. (laughs) He's like, oh my gosh. Are you trying to kill me? What are you doing? Just a little bit. Kid goes, a little bit of poop goes a long way, mom. She goes, exactly my point. Just a little bit of impurity. Man, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. And in our lives, but we do that, we... We allow just a little bit, and it just gives the devil enough. He just gets his foot in that door where you can't shut him out all the way. He gets a foothold in your family. And all of a sudden, that little thing turns into something else, and then it goes to something else. And years down the road, the little thing has destroyed our families. He's saying, you got to pursue perfect purity. You're not always going to reach it, but you got to pursue it. Because God said, blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. I want God to be seen and experienced in my family. Man, do I need him. I need his blessing. I want my kids to experience God. I want them to know him. But it said, blessed are those who are pure in heart, who pursue purity, who hunger and thirst for the right things of God. Because they will see God. Band's coming. We're going to close. Maybe you go, Kyle, I don't see God in my family at all. Man, I want to see God. I want to see God move in powerful ways. Some of you, you desperately need God to move in a supernatural way in your family, in your marriage, with some of your kids. You need him. Man, do you need God? And we we need, we should crave for the Spirit of God to move in our families and, and in our lives to see the transformation that we need. its my timer telling me I'm done. I'm trying to get shorter for you guys. That we can see Him. Man, I need that. I need that. I want to see God move in a powerful way. I, I, I don't, it's not that I just want I, I need Him. Some of you are desperate for God to move. The question you should ask yourselves. You go, I don't see, feel like God's blessing my family. I don't feel like He's blessing my marriage. I don't feel like... He's blessing my kids. I don't don't feel it. I don't see it, but I want to. Where where are you at when it comes to this? Pursuing God. Some of you today, maybe you've gotten defensive even hearing this message. I was just praying yesterday for this message and praying for God to move in a powerful way because I really feel like this is crucial for you. I was praying this morning. I felt like God spoke to me and said, some of your hearts are just so cold. So cold cold towards your spouse you're cold towards your family to your kids you've lost all sensitivity and you're just cold you've been darkened and corrupted and maybe it's things that have happened to you and not just things that you've done and you allow but you're just cold and I felt like God was saying today today he wants to melt that away because here's the thing we don't just need God to clean us up and make us better we need a new heart we need a transplant Today, you're all on the list. Today, God's saying, I can do that. And Ezekiel, we preached on him a few weeks ago in chapter 36. I don't just need my heart to be better. I need a transplant. And and Ezekiel said, the Spirit of God was speaking to the people of Israel who had grown hard in their hearts to God. He said, I will give you a new heart, a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone." give you a heart of flesh I need that in my life too often I'm cold to the things of God I'm cold to what he wants for my life I've grown insensitive to the things of this world today God is saying for you if that is where your heart is at if that's the place you're at that he's like look I'm not just going to clean it up you need a new heart need a transplant. The only way that can happen is by you surrendering your heart to God. Say, I'm not hiding this from you anymore, God. I'm going to illuminate this. I'm going to tell my spouse. I'm going to bring accountability. My heart is dark. It's corrupt. And I need you. And God says, that's all I need. All he needs is a willing heart, a willing spirit. And when we do that, God says he will come in. He will do the supernatural. And you go, there's no way. This, I'm so hard. I'm so mad. I'm so... Watch God. He said, I'll give you a whole new deal, a whole new heart. You won't even understand it. You won't understand the things of God. I've seen men who were so hard and they bawl like babies every time they talk about Jesus now because he, he, he gave them a heart transplant. He changed them completely and he can do that for you. Would you stand with me today? I don't know where you're at and what's going on in your life, but here's the awesome thing about God is that he knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly where you're at. And his mercy and his grace today welcomes you into this place regardless of what you got. Again, today I pray that you don't feel condemnation. I pray that you would sense the spirit of God convicting you, saying, look, there's some things that I want to work on. God's the surgeon. He wants to transplant, but you got to let him in. you got to sign the release papers and go, God, I'll let you work. I'll let you do your thing, and that's all you got to do. Regardless of what you're coming in here with. Regardless of how cold your heart is, regardless of how corrupt you may think it is, God says, that's all I need. That's the starting point. So today, as the band sings this song and as they close out, I don't care if you've been known God for a long time or you barely know him, today God wants to do some heart transplants in this room. He wants to melt away a heart of stone to give you a new heart that's sensitive to the things of God, that pursues purity and righteousness for you and for your family so that the blessings of God can be on his people so as we sing this today would you open your heart to god would you allow him to come in whatever way you need to do that maybe for some of you you just need to lift your hands a little bit that's why we raise our hands at church it's a sign of surrender say god i give it to you god i'm opening up god i'm not going to be cold i'm not going to be you know closed off from you i'm open god do your thing transplant my heart put a new spirit in me david said that he said god create in me a new heart and renew a right spirit within do that with sincerity today, full surrender to him. I believe that he will do that. As we close out, and let's really spend some time connecting with God, allowing him to do his work in our